Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. How's it going, everybody? This is Andy McCullough from The Athletic here with Pedro Mora. Also from The Athletic, you are listening to Describe the Summer, a show about the Los Angeles Dodgers. Pedro, how's it going, man? It's going fine, Andy. Things have changed in L.A. since a couple days ago when we last talked and the uh, fires are approaching Los Angeles. The air quality yeah. outside is awful. It feels a little bit uh, a little bit bleaker than a couple days ago when the heat wave of the weekend had just broken. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. The sort of apocalyptic skyline is uh, a bit too on the nose for me. Not great. No, but it's temporary, I hope, maybe. <laughs> I mean, this one. Hey, but soon there will be a beautiful sky again. Sure. Yep. Yep. And definitely things are going to get better. Yeah forever no doubt about it hey the Dodgers played some baseball they're back to their winning ways I don't know the D-backs aren't very good the Dodgers have beat them twice in the past two days they won on Tuesday and Wednesday it doesn't seem like they pitch particularly well the Dodgers or the Diamondbacks either team I mean but which were know. you which were you intending to say I was more saying the Dodgers I mean they gave up nine runs the other night I guess, you know Kershaw last night was interesting it seemed like he had some batted ball luck in that three run rally in the second but otherwise was okay I mean I don't know what what, what do you take away from Kershaw last night it was fine. I mean, if that's going to be your bad outing, you know, that he, he, still has the benefit of a Clayton Kershaw outing, which is that he does not let teams absolutely wreck him, right? Like, that's just been his hallmark throughout his career. He does not give up six, seven, eight-run outings. I don't know that his stuff was that bad. It seemed like the Velo was obviously still there, which is the most important uh, maybe not for fans, like, paying attention, like, is a, is a key barometer. So it was fine. It's not, you know, there are going to be four-run outings in any starter's season. Bueller, the, other, the, the previous night, was a, is a concern. His blister, they say, did not get any worse. David Roberts called it a net neutral situation, but, you know, cameras caught it after Bueller came out of the game. Did not look great. There's the simple fact that, I mean, he hasn't thrown more than six innings this season. Hasn't He's only thrown, like, a full-length start worth of pitches a couple times. He may not make his next start. There's just not that much time left in the season. They're going to ask him to start, you know, September 29th or 30th in the wild card series. And he's going to have, you know, ideally at this point, one or two full-length starts to precede that. That might be the biggest concern, you know, like in that, you know, this is a guy who's been their most dominant playoff arm the last two seasons. Like really not even close, right? Like he's been the guy that they wanted on the mound in the playoffs in 2018 and 2019. He's had one dominant start this year and two if you're feeling charitable. So it would really be nice if he could, have, you know, string off two or three more of those before the, uh, the season ended. Yeah, I mean, I guess, like, for the Dodgers, right, Walker Buehler's stats in 2020 don't really matter. None of the stats really matter. You know, it's difficult for them to win a World Series if he's not pitching well. He was their best pitcher. Yeah, I don't see how they beat, like, uh, the best teams with it. You need a dominant arm. You know, and Clayton Kershaw, I mean, I guess Clayton Kershaw has at times been dominant this season, which is different from 18 and 19, I would say. I would just feel a lot better about projecting a World Series win 
you know, or in, so if, if Bueller. What the right. heck is going on with Bueller? He's never had a blister before. I don't know where this came from. You know, they, these are the kinds of things that would obviously be a lot better to understand if you were up close, if you were around and being able to see and talk to the players. I mean, literally see the blister. It's hard to say. I, you know, he says it doesn't affect the way he pitches. He threw harder than ever in that Tuesday game. So it's he he and he made that argument that that means that he does not feel any any worse because of the blister. And I mean that that seems at least somewhat convincing to me. I mean he threw 101 miles an hour um, in that game, which you do not really see from starters very often. Why it has developed, I do not know. What kind of effects it has on his pitches, I don't know. The two homers were, I believe, both on fastballs in that game. Not to very good hitters, either. It's hard to say. I mean, you look at that Colorado start, that's the encouraging thing you want to see. But other than that, it's just not it. But in that start, I mean, it looked exactly like he has looked in the past, where it's just, I'm not a baseball expert, but there's a firmness to when he throws. The fastball just seems unhittable in the way that it it hits its intended target and travels at such a speed that I just I never understand how anyone can contact it it's incredibly lively yes at his best and i think that in the first couple starts of the season it was a little different like I, again i'm not a freaking scout but like even at the two or three mile an hour difference with a little bit of loss of the firmness a little bit of loss of the command you can tell you i, I can tell and that's not always the case. Like with Kershaw, sometimes it's a little harder to tell for the naked eye, like the difference in the, in the fastball and whatnot. The concern level with Bueller, I feel like we've talked about this probably every other start that he's made this season. It's not that high yet because I know he has done it this season and he's appears to be healthy. Again, he was throwing extremely hard. It's just a matter of they have to balance two things now. They have to get the blister to where it's not a concern heading into a, a, a start in less than three weeks. And they have to get him throwing 100 pitches, 95 pitches in a start before then. And those two things seem hard to do over a three-week period. You know, that's not an easy thing. Those those are not two easy tasks to balance. It's just strange. It's just, I mean, I know that, like, you know, this season's so weird. It's hard to draw any conclusions. It's just, I don't know. He's better than this. As I've probably said at least once before, like, it wouldn't surprise me if in his next start he threw seven scores. At no point in this season has, like, a great outing seemed out of the question. Shouldn't? What you're seeing with Bueller give Dodgers fans a better understanding of just how great Clayton Kershaw is? Yeah, I think so. It, like, he's just never had a month and a half like this. Is that true? Early on in his career? Not in a very, very long time, if he ever has. I mean, I'm looking at 2011, no. So maybe in 2010 when he was, you know, a child. <laughs> I mean, in 08, he definitely did, of course, when he was... Yeah, but, yeah, but in 08, yeah, how was, old was he? Was he was 20, 20 years old. old. He yeah. wasn't facing, you yeah, know, Bueller's like, 26. like yeah. Tennessee. Bueller's yeah. 26 years old. Yeah. One aspect of Kershaw's dominance and, and preeminence in this sport gets lost because it is in the consistency. It's not something you see just in, in one outing. It is that he never... I mean, the worst starts of his career, if you take the 10 worst starts of his last decade of his career... It's going to be better than any other starters, I feel pretty confident. I mean, like, even Jacob deGrom get, has gotten beat a couple of times, pretty notably. I mean, how many bad outings from him can you really recall? Where it's unwinnable. In the regular season, I should say. Very, very few. <laughs> yeah. Well, even in the postseason, yeah, post I mean, you know, it honestly, like, it, yeah, we've, I mean, this is just, this is such well-worn territory, but I think it deserves, it, it, it's worth bringing up every now and again, like, Clayton Kershaw is obviously not blameless for how he has performed in the postseasons. A lot of that resides on just like his pitch selection and the way he's performed. And, you know, he's never made excuses about it. But it just like, it really does kind of suck from a narrative perspective that that is how he is seen, basically, by the American public. You know, and again, he's not blameless in it, but it's just like, it's just kind of a bummer <laughs> in a way. Yes, but isn't 
on what topic does the broader American public actually have a good grasp of what what is the truth? Like everyone knows Patrick Mahomes is really good. Uh, everyone knows Mike Trout's like the best player. No, 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 that's totally disputed. I mean, that's do people not think Mike Trout's the best player? In I mean, you remember that thing that you used to troll me when I was covering the Angels with this with the popular American response to Trout, which is that he's you know he he's never won a playoff game and he's like whatever <laughs> he's like one for eleven in the playoffs or something. Yeah, like that. One for fourteen, yeah, yeah. yeah or something so, like that. I mean, no, that's a huge dispute. <laughs> I mean, that's it, no people will often say every MVP that he that he's won, people have said, oh, this team didn't win and he doesn't deserve it. <laughs> well, okay, but would you? argue that the dominant part of Clayton Kershaw's legacy is his postseason performance that that is what comes to mind when he is brought up that's a great question I don't, I don't know I mean we're we are both of us like I don't think we can lay claim to being in touch with like the average baseball fan I just don't think we can we're judging it off of it's just Twitter responses what like, I don't think that's true though okay like, what else who else are you like hearing from well, you think about like how narratives are formed. Like when there was after Game Five in the NLDS last year, like there was a segment on ESPN where I, you know, like you can find it on YouTube where like the headline is like you know Clayton Kershaw biggest postseason choker of all time or something like that. That's what they were debating, you know, and that shapes like how people view him. Like again. He is not blameless. He is not pitched well enough in the postseason. But I think we forget just how freaking good he is. He is incredible. It's not a, the topic of much concern to me, that like the narrative of him. I don't know. It doesn't bother me in any way. I kind of accept that the broad narratives of things are always going to be inaccurate. Plus, I was there in, in 13 and 14 when he really was bad in the postseason against the Cardinals. There's a few starts in there. I mean, that start in St. Louis in Game 6 of the NLCS was awful, straight up. That's when it started. It's gotten far more complex over time. He has put up a bunch of good starts, notably in the, um, what was it? In, in 18, he had a, a two or three great starts, like absolutely tremendous starts. But I remember then when, like, he was, that was when he was, he had just risen to be the best pitcher in baseball, and he absolutely did not perform in back-to-back postseasons. It doesn't surprise me that seven years later, we're still kind of talking about that. Like, I think if you look at the rest of his postseason career, let's see what it is, ERA-wise, from then on, from 15 to 19. What do you think his ERA is? I, it's hard to say. I mean, I didn't actually think he pitched particularly well in 18. He got good results. That is true. <laughs> I'm a results guy, Andy. Yeah, he. I mean, he pitched poorly in the World Series in 18. Yeah. So starting in the 15 postseason to now, what do you think his postseason ERA is? Uh, I'll say three and a half. Four eleven. Uh, strikeout to walk is real good, though. That's not that bad. It's also like a good run worse than what you would have expected, right? Based on his pitching during that time, and but considering the opponent, the better opponents he was facing. It's just a thing that I think about sometimes. That's all. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo. Or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry honey, I'm not just feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com scribes and complete an online visit. 
Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com slash Scribes today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash Scribes. GetRoman.com slash Scribes. Oh, man. Kevin Ginkle gave it up last night, huh? Yeah, what's his deal? He's been pitching a lot. Yeah, Friend of the pod, Kevin Ginkle. Wait, why is he the friend of the pod? I don't know. We talked about him before. We did? Yeah, we talked about Yeah, we did. He's the guy who I would have used in the reliever game that we used to play. Remember that thing? <laughs> his yeah. name sounds very fake to me. Yeah, it, it does have a you know 2005 MLB The Show fake name type game. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, hey, good for him. I hope he, uh, I hope he starts getting outs against you know the Dodgers. Yeah. So um, one thing that's been lost, I think, in this in this season is is the um, like the emergence of a fun baseball player. You know, like every every few years when you're covering a team, there's just a guy who you, you get you get charmed by in a way that you can't necessarily expect beforehand. It sounds like what we're missing this year is that Bruce Dargraderall would have been that guy. Ah, okay. Yeah. Okay. And Tell me about it. It's just coming in bits and pieces from from like from interviews with fellow players and coaches, and they just mentioned. It feels like every time someone's been asked like the stock, like who's the most fun player on the team, or who are you really enjoying, they always answer him. Apparently, like in, in summer camp, he just he he got a big truck and he started honking it like crazy whenever he arrived at the ballpark, <laughs> which which I've thought about a lot and I find quite charming. <laughs> just honking it repeatedly to announce his arrival. That's wonderful. Yeah, he has let it be known that he, he absolutely adores mangoes. And so as uh, as Dave Roberts was discussing his, his minor knee injury last night, he said, I'll give him a couple mangoes and he'll be fine. Which I find, I mean, maybe it doesn't sound that ridiculous, but the idea of, you know, that's not, when players are, are hurt, like people don't really make jokes in baseball. So it, it gave me a sense that like, I mean, he's really young, right? He's he's absurdly young for his um, to be in the big leagues and to be a like a, a dependable late inning reliever at this point. He just turned twenty two. There's a youthful joy, I think, that other people are sensing from him. I don't know if he, he does these. He does wild. Uh, occasionally, he does wild things as he comes off the mound to celebrate the, the inning end. He might be a guy in the postseason who people like the nation comes to adore. You know, who the narrative becomes as a fun player. You, if you say, you could say. So uh, yeah, I, it's unfortunate. Right? I mean, it's it's one of you know a thousand things we've lost. I think that he would be. I, I feel like there would be a lot of fun stories written about all the different we- little weird things he's done. The emergence of fun guys is, is one of the great quirks of the charms of the baseball season, I guess you could say, right? Like Tony Gonsolin's cat thing or like finding out that Rich Hill just swears all the time on the mound, you know? Like th- th- those are the things that, that you, you don't, they don't show up in the box score. Yeah, or even like even Alex Verdugo in Milwaukee last year when, when Russell Martin had to counsel him to not like how do I put this politely? To not like so clearly love on himself after uh, after throw after making a great throw, and Verdugo was just like so joyful about it in a way yeah, that like he was so happy you couldn't help but like at least grin as he did it. He was just like, "Are you guys gonna write about this? Like, is this gonna be on television? You know, I I can I can do even better than this." And yeah, it was a little cocky, but it was also just it was kind of just almost cute, I guess I would say. Like it was just it it was just charming. So I miss that. Yeah. Well, maybe next year, you know, maybe there'll be clubhouse access and you'll get to know, you know, a little bit more about Mr. Gratterall. Why isn't he striking anyone out? 
I don't know, man. It's hard to say. Okay. Um, okay. He's gonna he's gonna speak to reporters later today. Maybe I'll ask him that. And, yeah, that would be. He, that's a thing he used to do. Yeah, I mean, it's also you know, Andy. He's faced sixty four batters, so there's a thing called. Uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. Sample size. <laughs> it just does. Yeah, it's I just... mean, I'm sure Dodgers fans are. You know, I'm sure people listening to this are happy that they they've gotten to see that's something fair. Um, from this, that's this team. The the season for the Dodgers themselves, I think, has gone better than we were anticipating. I mean, watching Mookie Betts has been a great time. The team is performing quite well on a, on a consistent basis. There is reason to hope that they could be World Series winners. They've had no positive tests. They're basically, they've isolated themselves in this um, in the world and functioned quite well in a way that feels okay to like be excited about, I'm sure, as, you're, as, as a fan, and I would encourage that. So that's, I mean, there's, it could have been worse. They've isolated themselves and functioned so well that they're actually resisting MLB's plans for the postseason bubble according to a story a great story ken rosenthal had yeah that's a good point that was pretty interesting yes yeah. what do you make of that i think i understand where they're coming from i think i you know justin turner uh spoke to ken for the story turner is the team's union representative and was kind of you know just speaking about the idea that what major league baseball is asking which is effectively for players to go into a seven-day quarantine before the start of the postseason, kind of away from their families, uh, is, and then there would even, I think there would be a delay before families come into the theoretical second-round bubbles. Um, the Dodgers are believed to be the team who is resisting this, uh, according to, you know, Ken's reporting, uh, which is, you know, a bit strange because the Dodgers are not really seen as, like, a non-compliant bunch, but it makes sense if you, you know, remember, like, a week before the league updated its protocols, you know, Turner and the team organized all those updated protocols of their own, you know, where they like cut back on all the things that Major League Baseball would eventually like basically condemn like a week later. And they kind of feel like they've been ahead of the curve. At the same time, like I'm never going to suggest that like taking less precautions is a good idea. So like obviously if baseball adds precautions, that's a good thing. But I understand why the Dodgers don't, like, why they might be annoyed about that. It's an interesting question. I'm going to note here that it seems as in, in the last week or two, some of the precautions that they took up in, that, you're, that you're speaking of there have, have started to wane a little bit. I'm seeing fewer players in the dugout wearing masks. Yeah, just more high fives, the sort of things that they were going away with, been vowed to do away with. And not saying that that's a, a product of any poor decisions or anything like that. I understand that there's a lot of habits in this. I mean, the spitting is just like, I mean, how many times have you seen a guy spit this season? Hundreds. So, and that's on both teams. I'm in favor of more, as more, as many precautions as, as can be possibly implemented. Yeah, and I think the point, if they're they're doing the things that maybe they, you know, they said they weren't going to do, like, yeah, that's what's going to happen with compliance with this. It's very difficult. Live on a wartime footing, essentially, as it were. So, you know, like, I understand the team's perspective of we've been on our best behavior the entire time. We haven't had, you know, a positive test during the season. Like, we were, we're ahead of the curve and all this stuff. But I also understand Major League Baseball's position, which is like, no one is going to like the outcome if players are testing positive during the postseason. No one is going to like what has to happen if they do full contact tracing and things like that. That is not an outcome that teams will be happy with. Yeah, the 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 Marlins and Cardinals breakouts that in the postseason would be just a, nothing short of a what do you call it? A mess, disaster. Yeah, it would be bad. It would be very bad. It would not yeah, it, it would not be what you want as Joe Girardi would say. Who do the Dodgers got this weekend, Pedro? They got the Houston Astros. Andy, oh, yes, in baby. Two games. Yes. Yeah. Finally, the Astros come back 
for the first time since the 2017 World Season, not including that series in 2018. <laughs> what did I call it? The World Season. The World Season, man. Everyone remembers the World Season. Everyone remembers that, that store, World Market. You ever been there? They sell expensive chocolates. Yeah, I uh, I've I've been there. I I, I kind of go there some with some regularity. Oh yeah, I used to live next door to one in Kansas City. I thought it was like a grocery store. Westport, yeah, they got some groceries. I went there to get groceries. I was like, man, all you guys got is like Italian <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> you guys got any soup? No, no, they did not. All right, so the Astros for the first time at Dodger Stadium since the last time they were at Dodger Stadium. Uh, it should be interesting. I don't know. The Astros aren't playing very well, but they still have a lot of good players. Yeah, let's see. who's Let's see who's pitching for the Astros. It's going to be uh, Framber Valdez and Christian Javier. So not their biggest names. Not their biggest names, but two of their better arms. Yeah, they both, um, they both have looked pretty good this season in the limited time I've seen. All right, well, we will be back to assess that series. Only two games, Saturday, Sunday. But we will be back on Monday with a new episode. Thanks, and have a good one.